This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to The Step Back, a Mavs podcast. I'm too hot right now. Step back. <laughs> Step back. Ah. Uh. I ball like the Mavs, running this beat like a lab. Look at Don Chicken, the step back, Lord, that boy need a mail. Dirk in his bag, I swear I feel it in the air. Dirk in the game, snapping like a crab, but he never fold when they in the jam. Dennis Smith Jr. coming with the jam, got the whole team cooking in the lab. I say I'm the best, I'm going super sad. I'm in the boost spitting cause I can. I'm so fly and I may never land. I thank God for every one of my fans. SOB trick, just for the chance. Dirk catch five, they ain't got a chance. This came from God, this was a chance. Defense for real, coming with the clown. Uh, promise he get scary, killing beats and bury. I ain't never worried, never in the Hurry, crazy comments, it don't ever hurt me. Feelings I'm dispersing, is it really worth it? Never said I'm perfect, shine like a star. Any beat I get, I promise. Welcome in everybody to another edition of the Step Back, a Mavs podcast. My name is Dalton Trigg, and I am joined by my DallasBasketball.com co-host, Matt Galatson. Uh, we'd like to ask you guys to please uh, like, rate, and subscribe to the Step Back on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, and we've got it on all other major podcast platforms as well. Matt, how you feeling tonight? Pretty good, man. Um, excited to be back for another episode. Uh, it was a good win against the Clippers, um, but you know, we'll see where it goes from here. It's only one game. Yeah, the Mavs. They got a big home win over the Clippers. A lot of stuff happening there. They they ended a four game losing streak. Uh, the Clippers have been struggling a little bit, so they kind of caught them at a good time. But uh, they've also played the Clippers very good this year. But uh, they beat the Clippers 106-98 at American Airlines Center. Uh, they're now four games out of the eight seed in the West, and they are two games away from having the number six odds in the lottery. Right in the middle of them... no man's land. <laughs> right. So. Uh, and if they did get the number six odds, they'd they'd have a little over thirty seven percent chance at a top four pick. So, judging by the Mavericks' lottery odds in the past and their luck, it's probably not a safe bet to say they would even have that good of odds. But <laughs> I guess well, we shall see. My thinking is knowing how the Mavs' luck is, and knowing that that pick to Atlanta is top five protected. It would probably be their luck to get right there at number six and stay there. And then Atlanta gets the best pick possible. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. It's, I mean, that, I would I have zero doubt in my mind that that's exactly what's going to happen if they end up in, in the lottery. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why I've always been, for the entire season, been a proponent of playoffs or bust because their, lot, their uh, lottery luck has just been absolutely terrible. Um, the only reason they were able to win the draft last year is because they were aggressive and made a trade. They still got screwed, if you remember correctly, on those oh, yeah. numbers. So, um, you know, it's just 
they just need to be aggressive and, and see what they can do. Um, I've, I mean, I've said on Twitter a few a few times, you know, Team Tank and all this stuff. I'm 99% joking when I say that, trying to make you sad or <laughs> somebody else sad. But, I mean. Uh, I can't stand Team Tank. I mean, I get it. I, towards the end of last year, I finally jumped on board. But just the idea of tanking, just like, it drives me up a wall. And knowing, I mean, the players are never going to throw games or anything either. So, I mean, it, I don't know. Just the whole idea of it just drives me up a wall. I get it. I get it. You're horrible, and you get a guy like Luca potentially. But I, I still just, oh, man, I can't do Team Tank for a half a season. Well, I mean, I got <laughs> my fill of Team Tank last year. Um, it was an argument for the entire season, and then people finally relented, and even the Mavericks relented, and it worked out. But, I mean, it's a really dangerous slope because if you start doing that every year, you know, I mean, look at the Sixers. I know they're good now, but they had, what, four or five picks in the top three or whatever whatever it was, and they got two guys that stuck. So you're never guaranteed they, anything. Um, the Mavericks, yeah, they missed a lot. The Mavericks did it because they knew – that they had the guy they wanted in Luca, and I don't think they're going to do that again. So, I mean, we don't need to go have a whole. We could talk for two hours about <laughs> about Team Tank, but um, yeah, know, we'll, we'll we'll move on to something else. Yeah, what we're going to do here, we're just going to talk about some individual performances and you know some some topics going on with those players, you know, from the uh, the Clippers win, but. Just a brief look at the schedule coming up for the Mavs. They'll play the Pistons at home on Friday. Then Sunday they'll have Toronto at home. And then the next four games after Toronto, at New York, at Detroit, at Cleveland, and then you have the trade deadline. So they have a real opportunity here to turn this thing around and – Maybe not get back to 500 because that Toronto game is going to be tough, but they can get pretty close to it. I mean, it's not just, uh, I don't think they have to pull the plug on their playoff hopes just yet, but I mean, it's getting, it's getting dangerously close. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't think that getting back to 500 right now needs to be their goal. They just need to start stringing together some wins. I mean, uh, Toronto is obviously, I mean, they're arguably the best team in the NBA right now um, outside of Golden State now that Boogie's back and good God, uh, <laughs> he looked good. But He looks so good. I mean, they don't have to play Golden State. Um, Toronto's obviously going to be really tough, but, you know, those other games are absolutely winnable. Uh, Milwaukee, again, is going to be tough. They're obviously really good. Uh They've had, you know, Portland's been a tough, tough game um, as you as you move farther down. But and now, and I hate counting on this because it's, you know, it's it's terrible. But if you saw what happened to Victor Oladipo um, today, season-ending knee surgery, that that Pacers game doesn't look as daunting. Uh, they play the Clippers again, who they've played well against. So, I mean, it, it's shaping up pretty favor- favorably. It's just well, uh, they they need to they need to figure out how to be consistent. It's it's all about consistency because when the starters are playing consistently, they're very very hard to beat. They just haven't been able to find a way to make that to make that gel. 
and it's been frustrating for them. And I think you saw that frustration with Luca on the court last night. And I mean, we'll get into that in a minute, but uh, it's it's all about consistency for them and and finding a like a, a happy balance. Yeah, and and that's why I stopped with the Cleveland game too because. Um, which I should have gone on to the Charlotte one. I, I forgot about Charlotte, but uh, that's February 6th is the Charlotte game at home, and then uh, the trade deadline is the very next day. So before the Milwaukee game, or before that Portland game, we could be looking at a at a very different roster, or a slightly different roster, or maybe they just won't make any moves. We don't know, but we'll know fairly soon. It's coming up here in less than two weeks. But anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk about some individual performances. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. made his triumphant return to the Mavs after you know being off for a while with his, uh, I guess his his illnesses, his sore back, so to speak. Whatever you want to call <laughs> but, it, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he came back. He he had a really good performance for you know playing his first game in a while. Uh, knocked off the rust pretty quick. Had uh, 17 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. Uh, what do you think about his performance? His first performance back from his little hiatus he took. Well, uh, I mean, I thought he played pretty well. He he obviously came out. I think he was pressing a little bit when he came out. He shot four threes really early, which I mean, I know his three point shot has improved, but um, he doesn't normally take that many. Uh, I think he just wanted to make an impact, and you can't really blame him. He's been, you know, he's been out and wanted to get back on the court, and you know the whole the whole thing. But for the most part, I thought he played pretty well. Um, there were a couple times when I when I texted you throughout the game when I was just saying, you know, man, it's so frustrating. Sometimes he just tries to do too much, or he tries to make a more difficult shot than he needs to, like going up and under the hoop instead of just sorry about that <laughs> instead of just uh you know dunking or, or drawing a foul or you know going for an easy layup so but for, I, I was really impressed with what he did he he played uh his defense got better as the game went on he played um very tough very fast um you know i, I thought that the way that um he and uh luca were kind of staggered by rick was I mean we had talked about that earlier in the day like I think maybe just a couple hours before the game if I remember correctly like we were debating whether or not he was going to come off the bench you know nobody really knew and then uh, they announced he was starting so then we started talking about the other stuff and that's what ended up happening was they they staggered Dennis and Luke after the first few minutes and um, left Dennis out there first brought Luke out first and then uh, basically switched them until late in each half and I think it worked very well you know Lucas struggled shooting but I think that the two of them combined um, basically running their own unit was a really unique thing that um, they need to try and keep doing moving forward because I think it works uh, yeah. way better than yeah. I thought it was going to yeah I think just him coming back when he did the team on a four game losing streak they they desperately needed something exciting to happen. They needed a injection of energy and speed, and uh, he came. He came out and provided them with all of that. And like you said, the the way Carlisle 
had he had one of Luca and Dennis out there pretty much the whole game. If if he had one of them out, or if he had both of them out at the same time at a certain point, I don't really remember when that was. I feel like for the at least for the vast majority of the game, one of those two guys was out there, and I think that's that's how they need to do going forward. And you know, Dennis he played. Uh, 37 minutes, which was the highest since an overtime game earlier in the season against San Antonio. And I realized part of that is because, you know, Bray is out with with injury now. But he should be playing in the, you know, the the mid-30s regardless uh, of if uh, Bray is healthy or not. I mean, that's that's how young players continue to develop. You know, let them – let them play through their through their mistakes, and uh, I, I really like to see Dennis. Uh, I liked seeing him get those minutes, and I think that's what we're probably in for for the rest of the season, or you know, at least until February seventh, depending on what happens there. Well, man, I mean, he actually had a game high, I think, in thirty seven minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was out there more than I've seen him. I, I, I mean, that might even be a career high in minutes. So as far as I know, I mean, it, it, he was out there as, as much as I've ever seen him and which was also equally impressive, I think, because he hadn't played in two weeks, you know, there was, we weren't sure what kind of legs he would have under him after, after sitting out. But, um, and you know, and Rick talked about it after the game, he wasn't sure either. Cause I mean, obviously these guys are phenomenal athletes, but when you take two weeks off, you don't know if you're going to be in game shape or not right when you come back. And he looked he looked really good, man. He looked um, he looked great, I think, uh, I mean, as far as, as physically. Um, and I agree with you. He needs to be out there as much as possible. I, I, maybe they're, maybe they're going to train him at the dead, deadline. Maybe they're not. I don't think that um, – <clears throat> After given everything that's happened, I don't think that's uh, necessarily a possibility anymore. I think the more likely scenario would be a summer deal. But, um, I mean, we can get into that more later. But it, um, I think they need to have as much time with him on the court as humanly possible, both for the development of the team and to seek potential trades, because that's the only way that teams are going to see enough of him to figure out whether or not he can be a part of their, you know, their plans moving forward or if he can add anything to what they already have, whether it be Charlotte or the Lakers or the Knicks or whatever. Well, and not only that, but between now and the, uh, and the trade deadline, you never know what other situations around the league could change in that time. You, you don't know there, there could be injuries. There could be, you know, teams that have this you know six or seven more games before the deadline like the Mavs do they could lose a lot of those games maybe be out of the playoff picture and become sellers instead of buyers and uh, you, you just don't know what what all can happen with other people's situations so exactly I think it's still possible that he gets traded uh, if the right deal comes along uh, I think he's definitely going to get traded eventually I, I don't think there's much question about that even though I would love for them to work it out uh, long term but 
I think it's possible, but a very slight chance he gets traded in the next few weeks. Well, I think the the bigger candidates to get traded in the next two weeks, obviously, is uh, Wes Matthews, who um, you know, anyway, uh, or uh, or Harrison Barnes. Um, you know, I mean, maybe you can throw Dwight Powell in there, but I really think that they're gonna try and maximize Dennis's value going into the summer because I mean the trade deadline's great but um but deals that get done, get you know made in the summer um you have a lot more time to uh figure out how how, how those are going to fold into what you're doing as a team and uh and grow that chemistry cuz a lot of times mid-season trades you don't really see any significant improvement in your team um, until the following season or whatever. So, you know, well, they, not, they have no pressure on them necessarily to make it, make a trade because I don't think that there's anything that can make them good enough immediately right now to necessarily make a playoff push. Well, and, and not only that, but if you're going to, like, I feel like the Mavs would, would be in the discussion right now for some, uh, some bigger, trade discussions if they had access to future picks or, or well near future picks because having that top five restriction on that Atlanta pick really kind of ties their hands when it comes to you know bigger deals where maybe they they're giving another team a couple of future first for a superstar player you know if they just for example here, if they wanted to try and get into the, the Anthony Davis sweepstakes or something, there, there's going to have to be picks involved yeah. in something like that. So I think that makes a, makes an offseason trade a lot more likely as well. But uh, we'll move on to Luka now. Uh, he, Like you mentioned earlier, he, he had a really bad shooting night. Uh, he ended up with 17 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, which is, you know, I mean, that's a really good stat line. Um, but he, he just, I don't know, He to me, he looks like he's getting tired. He just looks fatigued out there. And I'm wondering if, if that's just me seeing that, or do, what do you think? No, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I know he, he played a lot of games in Europe, and he's he's kind of used to the European, you know, professional grind or whatever, but... It's uh, there's nothing like the NBA. You, you can go anywhere in the world and play basketball as many days in a row as you want. Whatever, it's not going to be like the NBA. It's not going to be as tough. It's not going to be as physical. It's not going to be as fast. You're not going to be playing against the same kind of athletes. And you know, teams have been um, targeting him each and every night, throwing their best defender at him each and every night. And while that also may have been the case in Europe. It's a little bit different facing Clay Thompson for ninety feet or however long the NBA court is than facing you know some European player. No offense to European players, but I mean that's just how it is. So I think that coupled with <clears throat> he might just be hitting a little bit of a slump. Um, it happens with shooting. You know you don't play eighty-two perfect games in a season. Clay Thompson's one of the best shooters in the history of the NBA and he struggled for a good portion of the beginning of the season trying to find a stroke 
and it happens. And Luke is 19 years old. He's going to hit some speed bumps. And I think that's kind of what um, I think that's kind of what's been happening here is he's he's just hitting a little bit of a slump and it's going to happen. It's it's not that big of a deal. That's why he ripped his jersey. He ended up 0 of 8 from three last night um, or against against the Clippers. And I know there was some people talking about maybe there was some other other stuff going on with why he was frustrated, which I think is complete BS, but I don't want to get into it. Um, It's just a young player getting frustrated because he's not hitting shots. And it's been happening for a few games in a row now, and it's just it's got to be frustrating because he puts so much pressure on himself to to be the best player on the team and – and to carry his team, and when he can't do that by making shots, it's really tough for him. Well, and another thing that's just just mind blowing is we're sitting here talking about a guy that's averaged eighteen point eight points per game, seven point four rebounds, and seven assists over his last five games. He's only shooting thirty seven point six percent from the field and even 27% from three. And that's what we're calling a slump for this guy. And, I mean, that's that's really, in my opinion, that, I mean, that's about as, as bad, I guess, if you want to call it, as he's going to get, which is incredible. I mean, just the level he's been playing at for a 19-year-old this year and to be in, you know, to be in the discussion for an all-star Appearance, uh, not just as a starter, but you know, if he if he doesn't make it as a starter, I think you know he'll probably get voted in by the coaches because he has so much uh, people. Coaches have so much respect for him. Yeah. But I mean, just to talk about him being in a slump, and then you look up at those numbers, you know what he's averaging, and uh, if his shot's not falling, he's still contributing in some other way. It's just, it's really refreshing to know that man this is this is this guy's floor he's he's only going to be better than that no yeah he's never going to get any worse than he is right now i mean his last uh his last three games he's uh two of 18 from three um rick kind of talked about that after the game last night um i mean obviously he takes some some tough shots but he's also always the guy when he's on the floor that takes you know, that gets the ball in his hands right before the shot clunk run, runs out, and he has to choke something up at the buzzer or, or whatever, and th- those affect his numbers. And he's not afraid to do that, which is great. But you know, I, mean, I think it just comes back to like to like what I said, man. People are trying to get in his head. I mean, there's a reason that the Clippers threw Patrick Beverly and Avery Bradley at him all night long and played him super physical and we're talking and especially Beverly was you know talking trash and trying to get in his head because I mean he's a young kid and he is going to get exponentially better that's what's so exciting is he's going to get exponentially better than this like yeah and and talking about the the all-star stuff they'll they'll announce the starters uh Thursday on TNT before they uh, before they start their doubleheader, and then the the reserves will be announced next week. But my question to you is, and something I've been thinking about, 
should he would it be a blessing in disguise if he didn't make it and he got to take the time off to rest since we do kind of feel like he's he's fatigued out there he needs to you know just rest his body come back to where he can finish the season strong and even if he even if he doesn't make the all-star game i mean he still has to do that rising stars challenge you you would think no yeah i mean i think it's i think it would definitely be a blessing in disguise i mean i think it would be so cool and we've been campaigning to get him in and and everything but i think he can use a few days off i, I he's gonna make plenty of all-star games and while i think that people um kind of not including it like i saw i saw lists on the ringer and in other places where he wasn't even included in the reserves and i think that's kind of a joke um they're doing it just because they're maybe they think they're basketball purists and that a rookie sh- i don't know it's stupid but if that happened i would not i would not be upset about it in the least because I mean, he doesn't really need to be there. He he could use the rest. He could use, you know, being able to take a couple of days, go back home, you know, reset his batteries, recharge his batteries, whatever, and and take a couple of days away from the game where he's not constantly in the gym or traveling or or having to face the best defender on every team every single night and just, you know, sit back. Even if he just sits back and plays Fortnite for a week, like he just needs to decompress a little bit i think and it would be good for him and i don't think that you know getting an all-star snub would affect him too much i would hate it honestly though if if he didn't get in and he still had to do the rising stars challenge because i think that's the dumbest all-star event of the weekend personally but that's just my opinion i think it's a complete waste of time so you're telling me that you've watched the celebrity game and you think the Rising Stars Challenge is the biggest joke of the weekend? <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Come on, Matt. Okay, well, outside of the celebrity game, like, I... Yes, yes. You know what? Yes, because I get to watch Kevin Hart win MVP even even when he doesn't play in the damn game. No, so, no, yes. he's, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's retired. I'm pretty sure he's retired now. Okay, well... But I, I, I think Justin Bieber keeps coming back, so... That should be just amazing. Okay, well, whatever. Of the actual NBA players competing, the Rising Stars Challenge is by far the dumbest (laughs) because I don't care about watching 20 rookies and sophomore players play against each other. Only bad things can happen. Somebody can get hurt. It's never a good game. It's just a bunch of dudes who are still learning how to play the game, you know, running back and forth into each other. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not... I'm not gonna sit here and lie about it. I'm, I'm definitely biased when it comes to Luca. Obviously, same but, here, man. <laughs> but you look at the stats and you look at the list of guys that are, you know, averaging for the season the same numbers that he is as far as total points, uh, rebounds, and assists per game. And when you look at that. And, you know, some of the big moments he's had this year, he's definitely deserving. Now, that's not that's not to say that others aren't. I mean, there's definitely going to be a snub, a, a snub one way or the other. There always is. Uh, but, I, you know, I just I hope he makes it. We'll find out as soon as Thursday if he'll be a starter. And if not, then we'll have to wait another week to see if he makes it as a reserve. But speaking about 
All-Star Weekend events, uh, one that will not be stupid this year is the three-point contest because it was reported uh, recently that Dirk got an invitation to do that. And, you know, everyone thinks this is his last season. I definitely believe it's his last season I mean he he probably wants to take off that week and rest as well but I think he's gonna do it and I think it's gonna be a really nice moment for him yeah uh I mean sure I I would love to see him do it um kind of a farewell all-star tour uh or whatever but the only thing I would be worried about honestly is if he could get all the way around the three-point arc in that amount of time even without having to shoot basketballs. I mean, he moves so slow and he's so stiff, but, you know, maybe he needs that to kind of keep him in shape, um, you know, moving forward. Because let's be honest, when, when he came back from his injury earlier in the year, uh, normally, like, so like last year, he started the season, he was fine, and it took him a while, like to, up until Christmas almost, to get going. And now it's kind of he got he got that late start. He had been off for a while. He's still trying to get his body back in somewhat playing shape, even though it's ne- probably never going to quite get there. So maybe he needs to be a little bit more active during the All Star break if he wants to kind of you know make an impact in the second half of the season. Um, so being in some sort of event like that would help. I mean, well, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. grasping at straws here, obviously, but. Yeah, well, I I was having a conversation with a couple of people on Twitter earlier today, and uh, we were talking about how, you know, if if they want if they were worried about him moving, maybe they could make an exception for him and just put one huge rack at the top <laughs> of the key, just have all twenty five balls in that one rack, and <laughs> and just just let him fire away from the top of the key for every one of them. Hey man, that might work. Who knows. <laughs> but I mean, you, you got you got to admit it's kind of hard to see him run around that whole three point arc shooting five balls at each rack in thirty seconds or however long the timer is. Oh, I mean, he he's he definitely not. I think he the buzzer would sound before he gets done with the third rack, probably. Probably. But but I would still like to see it because he deserves as much recognition as he could possibly get. So if if he gets to go and have fun in Charlotte for a weekend and do a three-point contest and have people cheer his name and whatever like they've like they have been on everywhere he's been going on the road so far this year then I'm, I'm for it yeah and i mean who knows i mean maybe maybe you know he hasn't been playing a lot of minutes this year uh, he had the slow start like you mentioned maybe he can muster up just enough to have one more magical dirk moment and you know even though even though he's uh, He's not the same guy we're used to. He's not near as efficient as as what he was last season. Maybe he can have this one moment where it's like, you know what? He's still that guy for one night. Yeah, that'd and be cool. I, I mean, if you if you watch Dirk in warm-ups and, you know, how he does at shoot around and all that. I mean, I I would say it's possible that he could he could make it competitive, but that's something we're look for, looking forward to. I don't think he's officially accepted that invitation yet, but I think he will, and I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, he almost had that moment uh, 
in New Orleans when uh, when you were there for that game. I thought that was happening. I even texted you and said, "Oh my God, Dirk knows you're there." But oh, he had that look. If that if that's the last time he plays in New Orleans, which I think it is, I'm glad he he made it a, a special night because for a brief moment in time in that game, I was like, "Man, that." He's playing like prime Dirk again. This is great. <laughs> One last glimpse of the goat. Yeah. I, I mean, I but, think if he does it against anybody this year, it's it's going to be against either the Lakers or maybe the Knicks because those seem to be the two teams that he always has played the best against. So, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Yeah. Well, moving on from that, we'll, we got to give uh, DeAndre Jordan some props here for a little bit. Because yeah, I mean we, we've we've uh, we've been upset with him a lot this year because he you know he sometimes he refuses to put his hands up and contest and uh, his help help defense is questionable at best to put it nicely at times as well but uh, he sure does love playing his former team the Clippers and he finished with 13 points 16 rebounds and four assists. He had three of his buckets in the last five minutes. Uh, two of those were assisted by Dennis. One big alley oop towards the end. Uh, so I mean, he four he blocks. showed up. Don't he forget played the four big. blocks, Dalton. Was that he had four blocks? Did he really have four blocks? Yeah, he was blocking shots all night. Well, shoot! I mean, I, 13, 16, 4, and four for the big guy. So I mean that that's pretty solid. I mean what what do we have to do to get DeAndre Jordan to play the same way against every other team the way he does against the Clippers? Schedule the Clippers 82 times a year. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's kind of I, uh, we started this little segment like we need to give DeAndre some praise, but then we do. He he played really well and he is a major, major factor in why they won that game. But he needs to play like that every night. Number one, because that's what he's getting paid to do. Number two, because, you know, he's on a one-year contract and he's playing for his own money. And he needs to put in that kind of effort if he wants to maximize his money going into the offseason next year, whether it's from the Mavericks or whoever. He can't just break that out three or four times a year. Yeah, and I mean... I've almost I'd be lying to to you if I told you that I I watched every game he played with the Clippers. So I don't know if he was showing the same kind of pattern last year or not, but I've almost thought that because he's an unrestricted free agent and he is playing, you know, for his last contract, he's showing you these flashes of what he could do every single night I mean there's no doubt about it if he if he wanted to he could go out there and do this every single game but he doesn't and I'm wondering if I don't know I'm wondering if he's just trying to coast a little bit so he doesn't risk injury or 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 what he's doing but I mean if he if he would play like he did against the Clippers for this next you know six game stretch before the trade deadline you know we'd be looking at being right there at 500 in my opinion i think we would or be right there at it so 
Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what they need to do, but I mean, when when Jordan plays like that, I mean, you you wouldn't mind if the if the Mavs went and signed him back for three more years after this season if he could continue to do, continue to do that. Yeah. I mean, there's what thirty five games left, I think. So right. Put that kind of effort out there for thirty five more games. Take a couple nights off, whatever. I don't care, but. For the better part of 35 games, if they're going to make the playoffs, he needs to play like that every single night or they're not going to have a chance. And that's just the fact of it. They can't they can't replicate what he does when he plays like that from anywhere else on the roster. Dwight Powell can't do it. Even Maxie, who I still think is his team's best perimeter, I mean best uh, rim defender, can't do what he does. It's... The way he eats up off offensive and defensive rebounds when he's putting in the effort that he needs to put in and he's contesting shots, there isn't really another. I don't know if there is another player in the NBA who can do what he can do to affect the game in those kinds of ways when they're on. I, right. I know that sounds a bit hyperbolic, but I mean it's it's it's. Tr- I mean, if you can name me one, I'll listen. But I don't know that there's somebody who can do that to that effect when they're on so yeah and we've talked about it in in previous episodes too but uh i think i think deandre jordan will end up being the most likely center for the mat starting center for the mavs next year but you know i when demarcus cousins came back and um you know, you see how he's playing in limited minutes, and you're thinking, man, he, he looks really good. He wasn't rushed back uh, from his injury and everything. I mean, you start to think, like, well, I mean, uh, depending on how that goes the rest of this season, they might they might just try and uh, go after DeMarcus Cousins instead of, instead of hanging on to DeAndre Jordan. But – I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's. I think it could go either way. I think it depends on how this season ends. I think it depends on how much money DeAndre Jordan wants, how many years. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that. But I mean, you know, I do know the other day uh, I had mentioned that the Mavs uh, were going to be monitoring Cousins for the rest of the season, and then Tim McMahon quoted that tweet and basically confirmed that. Uh, they were definitely going to be keeping an eye on Cousins, and he went as far as to say that the Mavs were definitely going to be in the market for a new starting center. So he thinks DeAndre's gone. I don't necessarily think that that that's definitive at this point, but we'll see how it goes. I don't think anything's definitive at this point. What I do think is that I've heard – I mean, you know where I stand on Boogie. I would love to have Boogie, but – um, as many times as I've heard Boogie to Dallas in the last, you know, few years, all the way back to when he was in Sacramento, it, I just, you know, Fish talked about it in his column uh, today. I mean, it's we hear, it's like we hear Kemba to Dallas every time there's a trade rumor. So I don't put much stock in it until I actually see it happen. Um, DeAndre seems like the most likely scenario to me. 
him and Rick are very tight. Uh, he seems very tight with the rest of the team, although we don't know how much of this team is going to be back next year. I still think that he's probably going to be the runaway favorite to be the center until until we hear otherwise. I mean, maybe they – I mean, who knows? <laughs> they, they could trade him by the trade deadline for all I know. But uh, yeah, and I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that you can put any stock in, in boogie rumors until – I mean, it's almost like, remember how we were so skeptical of DeAndre coming here? It's almost like that. Yeah, like, it has to happen before I believe it. Well, I mean, I, which I'm, I'll admit that I'm kind of, I'm kind of like this with a lot of scenarios, but I mean, I, I actually saw it as a good possibility. I was, that whole season last year, I was saying, like, they should go ahead and just trade for DeAndre, get him in the door early and see how it works, and then, you know, lo and behold, they went and signed him uh, first day, or they agreed to a contract the first day of uh, free agency last summer. But, I mean, it, he's still a top, I'd say a top three rebounder. Uh, you know, he can go out there. Like I said, if he tries, he can go out there and he'll get you 15, 16 boards a night if he gives the same effort that he did the other night against Clippers. So, I mean, he, the talent is there, but then also, and this is something Fish has talked about in some of his pieces here lately and, uh, you know, throughout the summer too, but DeAndre Jordan is, like, really close friends with a lot of high-profile free agents. And I know you're probably the same way with this as you are, you know, the Boogie Cousins stuff about – You've heard it so many times and, you know, Dallas players recruiting other players and the whole Chandler Parsons saga that we had. He was supposed to be a high-profile recruiter. But I I think it could be real with DeAndre Jordan. I think he's good enough friends and he's still effective enough as a player. You know, he's got he's got enough years left, at least two to three more years, I think, of being capable of playing how he is right now, that he could attract some high profile talent uh, to the Mavs if they keep him this summer. So I think that would be another upside, you know, not just because of his play, but what he could potentially bring to the team. Uh, through other free agents because they're going to have a, a lot of money to spend this summer. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I, I don't. I don't disagree with what you're saying. It, DeAndre has a lot of great connections around the league, and I think that's great. I think it's much more realistic possibility that that's the case, as opposed to Chansom. <laughs> I mean, uh, I always thought you want me to I always, Matt. You you want me to put you want me to put a really crazy idea into your head? Uh, don't laugh. Okay. Don't laugh at me. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. DeAndre Jordan vacations with Kevin Durant like every stop. summer. Stop. No, don't. I, I don't want to stop. <laughs> Put it in your head and, you know, let, let's will this to happening. Let, let's will this into existence for the Mavs. Kevin Durant. Okay. Playing with Luka uh, Doncic. Back on planet Earth. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I always thought Chandler Parsons was, was a little bit of a D-bag, personally. Um I know he had like a lot of friends around the league supposedly, but 
I don't. I think there's a reason that didn't play out the way it did, or the way it was supposed to. Um, and I think that DeAndre is a very likable person, and there's a reason that he's friends with all these people. I mean, he's the most fun person in the world to be around in the locker room, even after they lose. Like he, he's just a funny dude. Like he, he, he shoots shit back and forth with the media. Um, he's always cracking jokes and, uh, he's, he's really engaging and easy to talk to. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to lure a few people. I don't know who his close friends are necessarily besides Kevin Durant. Like you just mentioned and broke my heart over, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that he can do that. I'm not saying it is. I just don't want to get my hopes up again for something to happen. Now, obviously, it's completely different scenario with with Luca being here and having all of that cap space and free room on the roster. But I just don't want to talk myself into another. Oh my God, we're going to go out and get Mike Conley and Hassan Whiteside and then come back with Wes Matthews or whatever, you know, <laughs> that, that was a fun summer. The, the Hassan Whiteside, Mike Conley, double pipe dream. Uh, I, I remember that. Yes. One of the more depressing that, summers of my life. If I'm being honest from a basketball standpoint, well, uh, the way I look at it, all roads led to Luka Doncic and that's all that matters. And we, the Mavs, uh, oh. they've missed on a lot of players, but they've also dodged a lot of bullets. Dalton, Dalton, trust me. That's 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 how I've been getting through these last few months. Like, every time I see <laughs> Giannis or somebody else that the Mavs could have drafted or, or could have signed or whatever, I'm like, you know what? Had they gotten him, we would not have Luka, and we would not be here right now. <laughs> so it's fine. It's fine. And that's true. Which we say that, but uh, as much as Donnie Nelson, you know, pretty much stalked Luca from <laughs> when he was in the womb, uh, he <laughs> he may have went out and gotten him regardless of who the Mavs had. You, you never know. He he was dead set on getting his guy, and he got him. That's but, absolutely true. But but anyway, uh, we did want to make a quick note. Uh, you know, we talked about Dennis and Luca and DJ and Barnes. He had a, a bounce back game shooting wise. He shot seven of fourteen from the field. Very nice. Hit to three see. of his four, three of his four threes. Uh, so that was a really good, good sign from him. Uh, he only had one assist the entire night, but it was the most beautiful assist I have ever seen from Harrison Barnes. It was to DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> Gave him the lead for good at 92-91. There was a little over five minutes left. I mean, like I said, I, <laughs> he needs to probably dish out more than one assist uh, per game. But that well, was well. I don't even necessarily that, know if that's what he needs to do. Honestly, I don't care if he gets zero assists. I, I just want him to be a spot up shooter. Like I'm tired of him taking the ball to the rim and to five people and then hawking up a prayer. Like. I just want him to hang out on the three-point line and catch the ball. And if he wants to kind of maneuver himself into the post, if he's if he's more comfortable like on the high post or, or whatever, that's fine. But well, he, and I, he needs to be a shooter and not a shot creator. 
and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he needs to go out here and, you know, average five assists per game. It'd just be nice if he could get two or three on a nightly basis because when his shot isn't falling, that's when he needs to be looking for his teammates. You know, it, there's times where he'll drive into the paint or he'll back down and uh, just keep backing down and turn around for a awful shot over two or three players. And the reason he, he's shooting over two or three players is because they know he's not going to pass it. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, even, even the Clippers players last night when he made that, it was an outstanding bounce pass to a, a rolling DeAndre for the dunk. Even the Clippers players were just like, what just happened? This is like the best assist you've ever seen in your life. I don't, I don't think it's just Harrison Barnes. Like, you're really hyped about this assist. I mean, you need to just go back and watch it. It was awesome. And you could just see, like, the shock, on, in my opinion, you could see, like, the shock on, on everybody's faces. Like, oh, my God, he just did that. Hey, you know what? Maybe he realized, oh, my God, I can do this, and he's going to start doing it moving forward just because of that well, one assist. Maybe it could be a life-changing assist. Well, if it is, it'll it'll make me feel a lot better about his player option for uh, I think it's how much is it? 24 million next year, 25. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's 25 and there's absolutely no way unless they trade him that he's not going to be a Maverick next year because he's not going to forgo that much money to anyone because he's he's to go anywhere else because he's not going to get paid like that anywhere else. I mean, he's going to be a Maverick next year unless they trade him. That's like certain. I don't. I don't think they'll trade him. But you know, Brian Winhorst on his uh, or Winhurst, however you say his name, but on his podcast the other day, he uh, he talked about how Sacramento was interested in Harrison Barnes. So uh, I don't but think anything what? will come of it. But you do have a team out there, at least one team that would like to have him. It w- and it would I be would such love- a Sacramento move if they traded the Mavs. Like Buddy Heald, who's been I huge. want Bogdanovich, whoever Bogdanovich, like, whatever. His one name of is. their players who's like been awesome this year. That's been a part of this huge run, or I mean, huge run turnaround, whatever. For Harrison Barnes, and then he just goes in there and like eats all the possessions away from Fox, and they t- they crater. That would be the most Kings move ever. Well, I mean that that's why you have to leave the door open too. I mean, sure, yeah. The, King, the Kings are gonna. Kangs sometimes, you know, K A N G Z. Yeah, definitely. But, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk about some some more trade stuff, some more you know solid stuff, information that we know right now. Uh, according to Shams, uh, his recent report, the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Magic were three of the teams that discussed uh, Dennis Smith Jr. trade scenarios with the Mavs. And he also noted that the Mavs inquired with the Hornets about Kimball Walker's availability, but Charlotte told them uh, that they had no interest in moving Kimba. And that's obviously because they they think they can re-sign him this summer. But out of what what he... Out of, out of what Shams reported there with, with those teams, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Magic, and Charlotte, uh, let's let's say that the Mavs make a deadline deal. So February 7th, before the 
You know, the time, the clock is up. If they made a deadline deal with one of those teams, what team would it be and what would the trade be, in your opinion? Like I've been saying uh, ever since our emergency pod, um, hashtag emergency pod, uh, we discussed a lot of trade rumors, and the only one that made sense to me that and we got kind of attacked a little bit on Twitter because people don't understand how to process things that they're that they read or listen to without immediately jumping on Twitter and trying to jump down people's throats. I, the only one that makes sense for the Mavericks would be to trade for Aaron Gordon at the deadline from Orlando. There's nobody on the Lakers or the Knicks that really makes sense to me. Um, as far as making a deadline move to get better, Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't do it for me. Frankie Smokes doesn't do it for me. Um, Brandon Ingram, if they would even consider that, doesn't really do it for me. Uh, Kuzma doesn't really do it for me. I don't think the Lakers are really looking to part with any of those players anyway, so it doesn't matter. I don't know who they would be considering. Um, Lance Stevenson, I don't know. Uh, who else was it? The Knicks, Lakers, and Matt. Yeah. So, and then, and then Charlotte. Like, I mean, that was a long shot anyway. So I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know that any of these are necessarily realistic. Other than, you know, Orlando kind of blowing it up because what that what they have there with so many bigs and tall wings and no guards is not working. And whether it's Bomba for for Dennis and a pick or whether it's Dennis and Wes for Aaron Gordon or or whatever you want to do, Orlando is still the only trade partner to me that makes sense. Well, I think that there's a lot of different matches that you could make. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think the Mavs have a specific player in mind that, you know, I don't think they're thinking, okay, if we don't get this one player, we're not going to make any other trades. I think there's a lot of different options they would uh, seriously consider. But I do think the Magic, uh, that's the most likely uh, trade partner if we're talking about doing something at the trade deadline because – They've already talked the the Mavs and the Magic. They've already talked. Um, they've talked early, so it's like that saying that where there's smoke, there's fire. And like Fish has been talking about for weeks now, there's just there's so many different possibilities with Orlando and Dallas that makes sense for both sides. Whether whether it's Gordon, Isaac, Bamba. Maybe even, you know, Vucevic. Uh, uh, maybe you include Terrence Ross in there uh, for a trade and send West to Orlando. You know, just something yeah. like that. I mean, there, there's there's endless possibilities there. So I just with, don't with I just their, don't think sorry. I just don't think that the other teams that were mentioned in that report make sense. That's what that's where I'm coming from. Well, I mean, I, I could see something. With the Lakers, I don't think they'd want to send Dennis to uh, 
to another Western Conference rival. But, I mean, given the fit and, you know, the age and everything like that, I mean, I think they would consider a Brandon Ingram trade. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't do it for, say, Kevin – I mean, uh, <laughs> almost said Kevin Hart. The What's his name? Josh Hart um, and Kyle Kuzma. Josh Hart. Yeah, Josh Hart. Uh, I wouldn't do it for Josh Hart. I don't know, man. Kuzma <sighs> – but they, that, they have Lonzo, would, though. That's what I don't get where this Dennis interest in L.A. is coming from. They have Lonzo. Yeah. They have they have another point guard. So I don't understand yeah. why they would be interested in Dennis. Which they may be wanting to trade Lonzo, but that wouldn't make any sense for Dallas God, either. But. Do not bring LeVar Ball to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think we're in agreement there. The Magic, that if they're going to do something by the deadline – it's probably going to be the magic. Yes. And if not, if they get to the summer, and, I mean, you never know what can happen between now and the summer with other teams, other other player situations. Uh, you know, somebody might demand a trade like Kawhi Leonard did last year. I mean, you just – you never know what can come up. So, uh, but like like I said, that, that question was just mainly for who we who we thought would be – the most likely match if something happens here in the next two weeks but yeah no uh, for sure i just um i don't i i think that sometimes people get they hear shams make a report like this and they immediately start trying to come up with scenarios in their brain with what they could have talked about and it could have been as little as hey are you guys interested in dennis and then magic johnson's like nah and then they're like, you could right. at least at me, Matt. You could at least at me when you say that because I'm definitely that guy. Okay, I, I, I'm not. I'm not subtweeting <laughs> you, Dalton. I promise. I'm just. I'm just saying in general, it that that tends to happen. I mean, we don't know what the talks were, so it. it I, I don't know. That's just what I think. Well, we could go on forever about this, but this is the last thing we're going to talk about. Uh, trade related but uh, it doesn't have any connections to the Mavs right now but I mean there's obviously been uh, speculation about it but no firm reports from Woj or Shams or anybody like that but uh, Woj had a recent report that Memphis is uh, beginning to listen to trade offers for Mike Conley and Mark Gasol and just to you know, give people an idea of what you're looking at there. Conley is 31 years old. He's got two years left on his contract after this season for a total of 67 million. Uh, and he's got a lot of you know injury issues. He hasn't missed a game this year, but his overall history isn't great. Yeah, it seems like it's just a matter of time. Right, and then you have Mark Gasol who. Uh, you know he also has some injury issues i think especially with his his foot uh he's 31 years old he has a 25 million dollar player option for next season um so like i said there's there's no reports linking the maps to this but is there any possible scenario where you could see the maps getting involved here or even wanting to get involved here um not really uh Maybe if they move Dennis and 
somehow Memphis was brought in as part of like a three team deal. Uh, perhaps. I mean, I'm not. I'm not an expert on cap or anything like that, but I, I don't. I don't think they're looking to go older. I think they're looking to get guys in their prime, and neither of those guys are really there. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I think that those guys could really make the Mavs a scary. Either of those guys really could make the Mavs a scary team, um, if and maybe make a playoff push if they're motivated. But I, I don't really see them getting involved there uh, unless it's kind of out of left field. I mean, I just I don't I don't see what they could do to to get into it, even if they wanted to, or, or why they would have interest in, in two aging guys who have injury problems. Well, if you look at it from a timeline perspective, and you're viewing it as okay, Luca is the Mavs' best player. He's the franchise guy now, and they're looking to build around him. From a timeline perspective, and those guys' ages and their injury history and everything, which, I mean, and and the money they're making, too, because we know how the Mavs like their their cap space. Plan uh, powder, baby. Plan powder. <laughs> but all that factored in, it doesn't make sense for them to make that move. I think they would have to be extremely hasty and like say the Mavs win five of their next six here, uh, let's just assume the only loss is to Toronto, and you know they climb back within say a game or two of that that final playoff spot. They they would have to make an incredibly hasty move uh, to trade for Conley or Gasol in order to make a playoff push just for this season. I mean. I don't think they're going to be that short-sighted about it. They've uh, had interest in Conley in the past, and that just didn't work out. I think that has ship passed. has sailed, though. Yeah. I, I think it would be extremely, like you said, I think it would be extremely hasty and short-sighted to do something like that. And based on the other things they're doing to have as much cap space as they they are going into this offseason, I, I don't think that they would consider making a move like that. Well, like I said, there's so much that can happen over over the next you know week and a half or or two weeks. I haven't haven't checked exactly how many days it is until that point. I think it's right at two weeks though. Um, February so there's 7th. there's there's probably going to be more rumors come out, more stuff we can talk about uh, trade related. But we'll move on from that to our to our final segment here we we asked a lot of our listeners that follow along with us uh on our twitter page at step back mavs uh to send us a a dm uh, for how they would fix the mavs just for this season you know not not thinking too far ahead just for this season what would they do to fix this team and we picked the top five responses and uh I'll read off the first one here and let you answer this one or give your thoughts on this one, Matt. But this one's from Jasper. He His was pretty straightforward. He said, trade Wes, insert Dorian Finney-Smith into the starting lineup, and move the ball more on offense. And if those three things happen, he thinks that that's the recipe for getting into the playoffs. Uh, I don't think it's that simple. Um, I, I do – 
I do think it's a good idea to trade Wes. Uh, I'm kind of tired of watching him play basketball at this point. Um, and I, I think he's hurting more than helping. And I don't think it's all necessarily his fault. Uh, but inserting DFS into the lineup is also, I think, a a pretty good move because defensively in their in their starting five they've they've kind of had a problem uh defending bigger guards and wings uh on a consistent basis because Wes also is the biggest um or is the most utilized guy in that area and Dorian's just a better perimeter defender than he is so I think that would make their starting lineup better I don't I think it would hurt the bench because um you know Dorian's a really key part of rebounding and defense on that second unit and taking him out of that situation could hurt. I mean, it, it it's kind of a messy situation, but it would also depend on who they bring back with the West trade. So um, I, I think, I think he's kind of on the right track there. I don't disagree with what he's saying. You know, if they, if they did trade West, and obviously it depend on who they, who they get back and in that kind of deal, I really like the idea of starting Finney Smith, and I saw this uh, before the game last night. And you know we've we've been advocating for Maxi Kleba to be in the starting lineup full time the rest of the season, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he actually has a, a better net rating, you know, coming off the bench and just getting more minutes off the bench. Uh, than he does as a starter. And then the Mavs, they actually have a better record, uh, a winning record, when uh, Finney Smith has started games this year. So uh, I think he's definitely on to something there. Um, if they did trade Wes, they – and, I mean, even if they didn't trade Wes, I think starting Finney Smith, bringing Wes off the bench, that would that would be a pretty good option as well. But Yeah, that would be a good uh, start too. But he's he's definitely on the right track there. Uh, going to our second one, uh, this one was from Tyler, and uh, it was funny because uh, Tyler sent this uh, sent his response maybe thirty minutes or so before the game started, and he said that uh, the way he'd fix the Mavs, he would uh, stagger Luca and Dennis Smith Jr.'s minutes to make sure one of them was always on the floor. Uh, well, obviously that happened in the Clippers game and it turned out uh, turned out to be very beneficial for the Mavs uh, he says uh, to bring Wes off the bench and start Maxi. Uh, you know basically putting a shot blocker next to DJ while also adding three point shooting to the second unit and then um, he said let's see the bench needs a guy who can get them easy buckets since no one can create for themselves. So that's why Luca and DSJ need to be out there at all times. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I mean, that's exactly what happened, and it worked. I mean, imagine how much better it's going to look when Luca's knocking down his shots. That's the thing. He, he went 0 for 8 from deep, and he still ended up with 17, 7, and 6. Like, if he if he just hits three of those, you know that that's that's all star that's an all star stat line. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. Um, when he's hitting his shots, 
you know, I mean, it's it's what made it's one of the things that made Houston so successful last year with James Harden and Chris Paul having one of them on the floor all the time. And that's I know, obviously, they're not the same players, but that's what the Mavericks need to try to do. And we talked about it earlier in the podcast. We talked about it before the game. Tyler sent us this message before the game with his response. I mean, we're not the only people thinking this. I just don't know why it's taken Rick so long to think of it. But, you know, analytics, right? Right. And, I mean, they finally did it. And even if it only happened because Berea was injured, it was good to see it happen and have positive results. Because if they had lost that game – or if, uh, you know, say Luca and, and Dennis or one or the other had a horrible uh, net rating for the night, uh, which both they had a they had a positive plus minus on the night uh, against the Clippers. But if, if, if it had gone bad, that would have been a bad look for Dennis coming back. But it worked. Hopefully they keep doing it going forward. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's definitely one of the one of the ways this team can be fixed for this season. But going on to our third one, this one's uh, from Demario. Uh, he says it's he thinks is it's as simple as trading Harrison Barnes. Uh, he thinks Dennis hasn't been as aggressive as he could be, and that he's been more focused on creating shots for for others than himself which you know that that could explain some of the in indecision uh that we've seen from dennis i can see that uh he said with barnes inability to be a consistent playmaker in this mavs offense he's taking shots away from luca and dennis so the solution is to trade barnes put maxi at the four so what do you think there yeah um i <clears throat> I, I'd prefer trading Wes. I think I think Wes takes away more than, or as much as Harrison does in terms of uh, wasted possessions with his post ups and attempts at creating a shot. Uh, but but Harrison's also been frustrating. Um, if he could just, I, I like I like Harrison's skills. <laughs> I just I wish he could focus more on being a spot up you know corner three specialist or pick and pop guy or whatever um but if he's not going to do that and he's going to keep keep trying to be a player that is uh you know hurting this system and what they're trying to do then boot him out yeah i don't think they have to trade barnes um you know i don't I don't think trading him immediately fixes this team because, I mean, he's a really talented player. I mean, he's shooting 40% from from three this year. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's useful. I mean, when he's when he's hitting his shots, you know, the Mavs, they, they play so well when he's hitting his shot. Now, when he's not, it looks like a train wreck sometimes. But, yes. Uh, uh, DeMario also mentioned that, you know, he thinks Barnes to Sacramento could be beneficial for both teams. And and I agree there. Uh, You know, we kind of joked about how if uh, Sacramento made that trade and then Barnes just, you know, completely ruined what they were doing uh, this season, that would be their luck. But, I mean, I I could actually see the fit 
And uh, I don't know. I, if, if they could somehow end up with uh, Luca's friend uh, Bogdanovich, hey, bring, that would be bring me all absolutely friends, incredible. Give me, a, give me a starting five of, uh, of Drogic, both Bogdanovich's, uh, both Hernan Gomez's, and <laughs> whatever. Like, just go full uh, Euro on the yeah, NBA. Just, just go, just go Luca's best friend club. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the Barnes thing is, it's I think it's complicated because, like we talked about earlier, he tries to do too much. Yeah. And if if they could get him to focus on what he's good at and what his strengths have been this year, instead of the other things, then. I would like to have him on the roster for a long time, but I just don't know that he's capable of making that adjustment. Yeah. Well, uh, I agree with that, but we'll move on to this next one here. That uh, The fourth response we're going to talk about is from not Dirk Nowitzki, so definitely this is Dirk's burner account. For sure. On Twitter. Uh so not Dirk says, I hate to say it, but we should get as many young assets and draft picks as we possibly can from trading our existing players other than a select few, like Luca, Brunson, Kleba, uh, and Dennis, if we can't get good value for him. He said, that's what we watch the Celtics and 76ers do. I know Barnes and Wes are good guys, but we have to look past that and start stacking assets. Uh, so I mean, how how could you see the Mavs taking uh, taking that stance in the next few weeks? Is that you think that's possible to have a complete sellout? I think only if these next few weeks don't go don't go well. Like I mean, we talked earlier in the, in the podcast about the schedule they have coming up and how it's going to allow them to kind of get back into things after such a tough grind. And um, if they if they take advantage of it at least, and uh, if that if that doesn't go well, then I can absolutely see them selling high or whatever. I mean, it, it to to keep going forward with what they have when it's all it's going to result in is a missed playoff spot and no draft pick would be an absolute worst case scenario disaster. Don't you agree? I agree, and I mean it. I think I think if things go south here pretty quick, that uh, they would entertain trading. I, I think they they're they're definitely shopping Wes. So uh, they're shopping Wes. I don't think they would trade DeAndre Jordan. Uh, we'll just have to see about that. I don't think they'd trade Harrison Barnes. But you know, if things get bad enough and you have some uh, contenders or some other teams interested and they're willing to give up draft picks or, you know, another young player that still needs to develop. You know, so, something uh, like that, I could see them perhaps doing it. But I don't think they're going to have a a full sellout. But we'll just have to see how things go here in the next few weeks and uh, see how bad it could get before they get to that point. But... Uh, we'll move on to this last one here. This one's from Sergio. Uh, he said the Mavs should try to have an early start to next season. He said by that, I mean start moving pieces before the deadline if possible. Keep Luca and Dennis as the core and build around them with other young players. The Lakers are an interesting team 
to talk to. With them wanting to sign another big free agent this offseason, I don't see them keeping their young core of Ball, Ingram, and Kuzma together. The more likely player that I can see them moving is Ingram before the other two, but I would push hard for Kuzma. I can see him being a good fit alongside Luka and Dennis. So, what do you think there? I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier a little bit. I uh, That doesn't really interest me. Um, I don't think that it... If those guys can't work together, I don't see how it's going to work here. But I'm just specifically Ingram. I think is has been the most wildly overrated prospect in the last 20 years in the NBA. He's he's good. He's long. He's an athlete. Whatever people have been saying, he's going to be the next Kevin Durant. I think that is so the most ridiculous thing. And I. He's still young, and he has a chance to get better, just like every other player in the NBA of that age. I just I don't have any interest in it personally because I haven't seen anything to justify that kind of hype yet. Yeah, I mean, he, it's kind of obviously it's two different players, two different style styles uh, that they play, but uh, it kind of reminds me of Michael Kidd Gilchrist and all the hype around him coming out. And I mean he's he's a decent player now. I mean he's he's a good defender, but you know, I believe he was the number two pick and uh you know he he definitely hasn't lived up to that hype. And I mean if we're just looking at Ingram from like a locker room perspective, I don't even I don't know if he's the the right kind of guy that the Mavs are looking for to pair with Luca. You know, he had that incident earlier this season where he punched Chris Paul, which, I mean, that's something that I think a lot of us have thought about doing at one point or another. More than once. uh, (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I kind of agree with with Sergio on on the Kuzma point. I mean, he, out of those, out of all those guys that he mentioned from the Lakers, like if they... If they had to do a deal with the Lakers of some kind, I would I would definitely be intrigued with Kuzma because he's pretty much everything you want from a modern day four. I mean, his defense isn't that great, but you know he can shoot the three, he can drive, he can run the floor. Uh, I mean, I and he's still he's still young too. So I mean, I I could see how he would be a very natural fit next to Luca. Yeah, I just, again, um, kind of like I said earlier, I don't think that you can get him without Dennis. Uh, so I don't really see how this scenario with Kuzma would even be possible because they're not just going to trade him over for, you know, Wes Matthews and a second-round pick plus some filler on their end or whatever, you know. It would It would probably have to be some kind of three-team deal sending Lonzo to like Phoenix or somewhere. Well, they, they they'd have to have a reason to move Kuzma and that would only entail them getting either a young prospect to replace him or a star in a three-team deal. Right. So Well, 
that's I mean we we finished all that we appreciate all of our our listeners for sending responses if if you didn't get yours talked about this time we're definitely going to do it in the near future so keep sending them our way and uh be on the the lookout you might make an appearance uh the next time we do it but uh matt that that'll wrap it up for this time we'll we'll get ready for the uh the pistons game on friday and see if the mavs can keep this momentum going and uh we'll get back at it next week and uh depending on if anything crazy happens you know trade related we might be on here before then but hashtag uh, emergency pod yeah another emergency pod you never know but um if not we'll be back here next week as always and uh we appreciate all of y'all for listening and uh if you want to find me on twitter uh you can find me at dalton that's d-a-l-t-o-n underscore trig t-r-i-g-g uh matt tell them where they can find you uh i am on twitter at matt galatson uh m-a-t-t-g-a-l-a-t-z-a-n um and please uh like rate and subscribe our podcast tell all of your friends um and mavs fans that you know uh we really really appreciate it and every uh, subscription and like helps grow our numbers yeah and i i have to add this before we take off here too but uh, we can't thank you guys enough for the support you've shown us uh just in a few you know a few weeks here of us getting this thing started and you know we've uh, we've had thousands upon thousands of listeners uh just really hop hop aboard this thing and uh like i said we we can't thank you guys enough and we hope that you continue to show support and uh we're going to keep bringing you guys the best content we know how and we're going to keep getting better and better with this thing going forward so thank you guys again it's crazy music in texas now Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.